What's up, cool cats and cuties? This is the Promenade Merchants Podcast, a Star Trek podcast out on the frontier. So sit down and grab a rock to Gino as David Majors and Heather Kirby talk all things Star Trek. Old, new, and what's to come. The Promenade Merchants are open for business. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the 31st episode of the Promenade Merchants Podcast. It's a Star Trek podcast, completely independent, free of Dominion propaganda, free from corporate meddling, completely free of any kind of shenanigans. I'm David Majors. I'm joined by my fantastic co-host, Miss Heather Kirby. What's up, Heather? What's up, David? You know, I wouldn't say we're completely free of shenanigans. Shenanigans well, do happen uh, here on the promenade, you know. Yeah. Usually <laughs> when when I'm involved, I, I'm kind of a catalyst for shenanigans. So that is a fair, fair point. Welcome to the Promenade Merchants Podcast, everybody. We talk about Star Trek a lot because we like Star Trek a lot. And right now, where it stands right now, a lot of Star Trek is in production, and we love to see it. But right now, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, just what's happening in the world of Star Trek, in and out, old and new. So if you're new to the show, we do have a little bit of a format. So we're going to start with old business. The old business is everything from the beginning of Star Trek all the way up until... We'll, we'll say the J.J. Abrams movies up until that point. And right now, as I said at the top of the show, there are a lot of Star Trek shows in production right now. Which also means that there really aren't a whole lot of new bits of Star Trek airing at the moment. And that comes down to... Rewatching Now, we all love Star Trek, and we all love sometimes going back and re-watching Star Trek. Maybe you do it frequently, maybe you don't do it so frequently. Uh, let us know at PromTrekPod on Twitter, or send us an email, PromenadeTrekPod at gmail.com. Uh, I'll, I'll check the Gmail, see what we got in there, PromenadeTrekPod at gmail.com and, and I might even reply back so be careful what you wish for you you just might get it we're, we're all about the engagement uh, Heather I'll ask you right now um, are you watching any Star Trek have you gone back to rewatch any Star Trek recently old new are you watching any Trek well you know I'm typically I'm not one of those people who watches Star Trek on a daily basis. I love Star Trek. I love talking about Star Trek. But I'm not one who literally randomly puts on an episode on a nightly basis. Um, I have to be in the mood. <laughs> I have to be in the mood to rewatch it. Uh, right now, I am currently watching some for uh, homework for an episode of another podcast that you and I are going to be on, which uh, it's a secret, super secret surprise. No, I, I posted on Twitter about it the other day. But we, we don't want to spoil anything for that upcoming episode, so I can't really tell you which episode or which series I'm watching for that. But uh, it also with, like, Lower Decks, the new season of Lower Decks coming up in August, um, I do plan to rewatch season one of Lower Decks before that happens. I'm the type of person, especially with the new shows, I like to go back and rewatch 
uh, before the new season comes out. So I can just familiarize myself with the cast and the crew and the stories and what's going on and why I love it. Uh, but other than that, like, especially with the older shows, I, I, I got to have a plan in mind or I just got to be in the mood for Star Trek. So I, I don't rewatch on a regular basis. I will say that for me, the mood does strike me more often than I realize. I, I am not in everyday Trekkie. Uh, although I will admit, for a long, long time, I really did enjoy seeing uh, all Star Trek on the Heroes and Icons channel. I really did enjoy having that there to turn on in the evenings just to kind of relax and decompress in the evenings. Or if I was up late, I could watch Voyager or Enterprise because those were on at 11 and midnight Eastern time. So those were, were fun for a while. Uh, recently, uh, there will be maybe maybe an episode or two a week that I'll check out. Uh, this might be controversial. Uh, it will probably be Voyager. It will maybe be DS9. Uh, it might be Discovery. Uh, it might be Lower Decks. But, yeah, I- I've said this on the podcast before. Really not doing anything before DS9. Because Father Time is really starting to show its age on some of the post TOS era of Star Trek. Uh, yes, I'm talking specifically about the next generation. Its age is starting to show just a little bit. Uh, I think that's a pervading theme in Star Trek Picard. Aging, getting older, mortality, how you can't hold on to the past forever. That was a theme in season one of Star Trek Picard. I kind of feel that way uh, about TOS and the next generation. Uh, That has not quite hit me with DS9 and Voyager just yet. But if I am going to rewatch something... It will probably be DS9, Voyager, or even Enterprise when I'm in that headspace. And Lower Decks, too, because Lower Decks is such an enjoyable, like, little bite-sized bit of Star Trek that has action and will give you some laughs. And it's just it's just a very feel-good series in so many ways. It's a feel-good Star Trek series. And I think that right now, Lower Decks is the one that's easiest to go back and rewatch, in my opinion. So that's me. Uh, If I am going to rewatch something, it's probably not going to be old. It's probably not going to be old. Not too old. (laughs) See, I'm kind of like, I I mean, I don't want to completely disagree with you on TNG, but it like... I, I'm well willing to admit I'm slightly biased towards TNG because that was my first trek. That was the one I grew up with. So even though I'll admit that it's gotten kind of dated, it still has a very uh, comfort feel to me. So if I just want to watch an episode of Star Trek to feel good, it's either going to be TNG, which is like my my first one, my childhood, <laughs> you know, or it's going to be Voyager because of my love of Janeway. 
Um, and as as much as I, I'm not as big of a fan of Lower Decks, I, I love the show for what it is. And I can say this because I know my sister doesn't listen to this podcast. I actually bought season one of Lower Decks on DVD for my sister for her birthday, which is in about a week or so. Because uh, she's not a huge Trekkie. She's a little bit of a nerd. Everyone in my family is a little bit of a nerd. But she's not a huge Star Trek fan. But Lower Decks is the type of show that my sister would love. And so I was like, well, I'm going to actually buy her the show, let her watch it. And if she decides she likes it, then I'll give her the information so she can sign into my Paramount Plus account and watch season two when it comes out. So hopefully she'll like she'll like it. I will have to update you on that when she finally watches it. Please do. I'm always interested in differing opinions on someone's maybe first uh, experience with a Star Trek series. That that always fascinates me because Star Trek has been so in my DNA my entire life. Seeing someone experience it brand new for the first time is always fascinating to me. So please... Uh, let us let me know, Heather, and everyone out there. What what do you go back to rewatch if you're rewatching some Star Trek? Let us know at Prom Trek Pod on Twitter. Send us an email. We I I'd really like to know. We'd really like to know what what you're what you're into uh, in kind of this period where a lot of Star Trek is in production, but not so much airing right now. Which brings us to new business because. Uh, while things with Star Trek are in production, all of the actors and performers who we appreciate and love, they're working on things. Uh, some in Star Trek, some not in Star Trek. Like Kate Mulgrew, uh, who was announced uh, in a pretty big role, I'd say. Uh, she will be portraying Susan Cher, who was the former chief of staff for First Lady Michelle Obama who will be in the upcoming Showtime series, The First Lady, where it will have uh, Viola Davis starring Michelle Obama. So this looks to be a pretty prominent role for Kate Mulgrew, and for so many different reasons, I think this is fantastic. Uh, I really think that she really garnered a lot of praise uh, in Orange is the New Black. Uh, She's done a lot of voice acting work post-Star Trek Voyager, and this looks to be a really big, really prominent role for her and I think that's just fantastic Heather I really do I think Kate Mulgrew is a phenomenally gifted actress and I think this will be really great for her I really do I think it, it, it's an incredible role for her um, she's she's so so talented and especially in a role like that where she's portraying a very fierce woman working with other fierce women. Like, I just want to see her chew up the scenery with Viola Davis. It's going to be amazing. Okay. (laughs) It's going to be like set those sets on fire. Um, She's going to, yeah, she's going to definitely get a lot of attention for a role like this. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to find a way to watch it. Day and and time. <laughs> one thing about this is, 
One thing that's really great about this is, uh, I, I hate to go there, is that usually for actresses in Hollywood, when you reach a certain age, the the work that you do kind of starts to dry up. And in the case of Kate Mulgrew, since Orange is the New Black, things have really started to pick up for her. She's getting more voice acting roles. And now this is her uh, first real major role uh, in live action since Orange is the New Black, uh, along with her voice acting roles, Infinity Train, Star Trek Prodigy, uh, and, and lots more. And I, I really think this is fantastic for a number of different reasons. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the point you make about especially older women in Hollywood. And it's, it's really not the same with older men. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of silver foxes out there that can still get uh, lots of leading roles, but it, it, there's not the same opportunities for older women. So um, I love that she's on fire. I think doing orange is the new black really, open people's mind up to the fact that she can be versatile and she can play characters that are out of uh, her comfort zone. And so that's given her more opportunities uh, in live action to play these really different and unique characters, but they're all very strong women, uh, which is something that Kate Mulgrew just exudes. (laughs) So, yeah, it, it's it, it's really phenomenal that, especially in Hollywood, that there's more opportunities for these fierce women that even though they've gotten older, even though uh, they look their age, and I, I, I'm trying to put this in the best way to not say that she, she looks like she's aged because she still looks fine <laughs> in her current age. But she has definitely gotten a bigger, more fuller body. Um, she's not the skinny women that most actresses start out as. And so it's really important to see a woman who grows and ages, um, but their talent is still recognized on screen. And uh, Kate's definitely showing that. 100%. 100% agree. And I'm looking forward to seeing this. I think this show will likely be phenomenal. This will probably get some Emmy Awards. Uh, Do not be surprised to see a Best Supporting Actor nomination for Kate Mulgrew for this show in the not-too-distant future. This seems like one of those shows that will get a lot of praise and a lot of attention. So I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I think we're both looking forward to Star Trek Discovery returning in Season 4. And there is starting to get a little bit of news starting to trickle out. Trickle out. Uh, starting with the character Gray Tull, who was the Trill, right? Gray was the Trill. Yes. And Adira was the human. Uh, Gray Tull. So in a recent uh, panel during Outfest in LBTQIA plus convention, uh, various members of the cast of Star Trek Discovery, Ian Alexander, Anthony Rapp, Wilson Cruz, Blue Del Barrio, Tig Notaro, and Michelle Paradise, 
were on a panel and they discussed Grey Tall, who, as we saw in season three, is joined with Adira, but not necessarily quote-unquote alive, as it were. Uh, But we get into the whole mycelial network, dead, not really dead thing that Discovery explored. Uh, but they uh, they made a point during this panel, and the story comes from Daily Star Trek News, uh, that they said that Grey in season four will be more seen. And Ian Alexander made the point to say, oftentimes trans characters are killed off or they commit suicide. And it can be a very triggering or depressive narrative if you're trans that your life is going to be miserable or you're going to suffer. And they're moving away from that trope in season four. And the idea is that Grey will be more of a visible character in season four of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, Heather, if you remember, at the end of season three, when... I believe it was Michael Burnham, uh, Dr. Culber, and Saru went to the planet to discover the source of the burn. Uh, they they were sort of able to see Gray, and Dr. Culber had a moment with Gray where he where they were seen, and I I can imagine that was a pretty big moment, and and I imagine hearing this is definitely a big deal. Yeah, I mean it, it's a huge deal. That um, that scene, <laughs> just thinking about it, is making me tear up right now. Um, it Gray's story is just so. It, it it's very indicative of the way a lot of um, not just non-binary and trans people, but a lot of LGBTQ people. Um, just want to be seen for their identity and how, how they feel. Um, and his story, even though it's very literal about him not being able to be seen. And in, in this instance, um, Colbert and, and Michael and the others being able to see him and realize his presence is still there. Um, I don't know how they're planning to do this for season four, but it's a very important part of his story, their story, um, the rest of the crew's story that they make this happen for season four. And it's going to be really beautiful and really special. Uh, And I think this will be something to really look forward to. Uh, I I know that both Grey and Adira are two characters that are very important to a lot of Star Trek fans, uh, especially now. And I think that that is something we can explore. I think one of the big points that a lot of fans of Star Trek Discovery have always made is we want to see more of these characters. And we, we care about these characters very much and we just want more of them. And sounds like that's what we're going to get. And yeah, out of all of the new Star Trek coming, 
I think I'm really excited for Discovery Season 4 the most. Uh, Heather, how about you? I'm always just most excited for the new season of Discovery. I mean, as as much as I've enjoyed watching all of the other news shows that we've had, and am kind of <laughs> looking forward to some of the new shows that are still to come, uh, Discovery is always number one in my heart. And so I'm always going to be the most excited for to see their new season and to see where this wonderful crew that I love go next. Um, I do think it is potentially possible in season four that we are going to get more stories with the crew. Uh, as much as Discovery is, the show is based around Michael Burnham's journey. Uh, so Michael has always been the main focus. But when you think about it, season four she is finally the captain. And so as much as she's still going to play a huge part and she's still going to be the main focus, uh, her journey to a captainship has been realized. So that will hopefully leave a little bit more time to dive into stories about the rest of these crew members, because I love each and every one of them. I, I Not do just too. Michael Burden. I love them all, and I can't wait to see more from all of them. I do, too. And I think, respectively, uh, a, a Star Trek series that we both love, Deep Space Nine, was best as an ensemble cast, where you saw a little bit of something from every character. And the captain wasn't always the complete focus. And that's okay. And... Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, recently, Heather, I completed the achievement. I have now watched every Star Trek series, old and new, and I finally watched my last Star Trek film, and that was Star Trek IV, the one with the whales. And if you're like me and it took you a while, well, Paramount Plus is making it a little bit easier because now 11 of the 13 Star Trek movies are now on Paramount Plus. So if you have Paramount Plus, you can pretty much get everything Star Trek except for Star Trek 2009, which is a good solid movie, which I got to talk about recently on a podcast coming up called Confer Culture. Plug, plug. Shout out to Chris Murphy. And another one, Star Trek Into Darkness. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, don't, don't be dot, dot, dot into darkness. Some people still like Into Darkness. Mean. And, and, <laughs> and, and that's okay. That is all right. And, and, and that, that is fine. But those are the two movies left that are not on Paramount+. Plus. And they, they are still uh, viewable in other places. But yeah, Viacom, Paramount is making it pretty easy for anyone that is interested in Star Trek to get nearly everything Star Trek in just one place. And, and that that's great. Oh, that definitely is. And I mean, I think that's definitely the purpose of them rebranding, of them bringing, uh, reconnecting the CBS and uh, Paramount brands 
so they could have the opportunity to do this and to grow their streaming service. Uh, Star Trek is a huge part of the Paramount Plus streaming service, so it only makes sense to bring them all together. What would be really interesting (laughs) is when Star Trek is only available on Paramount Plus, and I'm waiting to see when that's going to happen, because... I mean, they started with the movies. That's going to eventually happen with the series where the only place you can watch it is Paramount+. Plus. I'm just saying, right now, it's going to happen. It's it's still on Netflix. The series are still on Netflix. It's fine. It's fine. And and I know a few of the movies are still on Amazon Prime. It's okay. It's just it's great that Star Trek is is available in all of these other places, but if you have Paramount Plus, you can pretty much get it all. So, just one more incentive if you're a Star Trek fan. If you're a Star Trek fan, you, you pretty much can't go wrong. Uh, so, let's jump into upcoming business, Heather. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna fantasy book a little bit uh, because there's so much Star Trek in production right now. There's, there's so much like television content and now there's going to be a movie coming in a, in a couple of years. Uh, I want to ask you and everyone out there listening, let, let us know at prom track pod. Tell us Heather. I'll ask you if you had a dream Star Trek production, what would you put out there to Alex Kurtzman? If it, because we know he's listening. Alex, what's up? Thanks for tuning in. Uh, if there was something you would want Star Trek to have in the next couple of years, what would it be? Um. Well, as my honestly, I well, I have like my realistic (laughs) dream and then my out there dream, my realistic dream. Give me the out there dream. Give me the out there. Okay. Well, the out there, out there dream is I would love to see them somehow explore, uh, the augments more, the augment war. Um, And the reason why I say that's my out there dream is because I don't honestly believe that anyone currently involved in Star Trek now or in the past would be able to write them in a way that I would appreciate. (laughs) So I don't think they can write them in a way that I would actually like it. Because I know that's an idea that has floated around for a while and people have gotten behind it, like wanting to see Khan's backstory and everything. But I don't think it can be written in a way that I would actually appreciate it. So I would love to see it explored in a way that I would appreciate it, which has to do from uh, their basically the the reasoning behind uh, their genetic enhancements and how our society came to uh, be that way because I think that's an interesting issue to explore as to why they first started using uh, genetic 
manipulation on humans and how it got to the point with the augments where it was a bad thing because it started out at least this is my headcanon. It starts out as a positive thing because there's so many different genetic disorders and things that they can correct by manipulating a human's genome. But then it got to the point where they were using genetic enhancements for just to make stronger, faster, better humans, which is how we got the augments. So like I said, I think if people went to explore that story, they would just explore the negative side of it and not explore the positive that came first, which is why it's kind of my out there dream, because that's what I would like to see. Uh, not just the negative side, but the positive too. Okay. I really like that idea. And it's, it's very new. In fact, it's something that I don't think has even been explored very much in, in books. Has it? No, not really. Yeah. That's, that's a new one. That really is a new one. And, and I like it. Uh, I have said this one for a while, actually, pretty much since Star Trek Picard started. Uh, I do like the video game now and then. Uh, I'm, I'm not really a, a, quote, gamer, unquote, but, but I will play a video now and then. And when I saw Jerry Ryan return a seven of nine... And I saw her presence and just what the Seven of Nine character has become in Star Trek Picard. And I heard about the Fenris Rangers. And I heard about this idea that they're a vigilante group across the galaxy that is putting out fires and taking care of things that the Federation isn't necessarily handling over and over and over again, I said to myself, that is a video game waiting to happen. That is a video game. And when I saw that the Mass Effect series is getting remastered and put on modern game consoles, everything I've seen of Mass Effect tells me, you could do Star Trek video games and they don't have to be like MMO games. You could make a Star Trek action game. And if Viacom and CBS were to put the money together and do a big production for a Star Trek video game that would be like a AAA video game, like a Mass Effect, like an Assassin's Creed, something that big, you could do a Star Trek Fenris Rangers Jerry Ryan-focused action game that has you traveling across the galaxy. Maybe you play a role of a Starfleet officer and you're on a starship. Maybe you're playing Jerry Ryan and you're, you're taking out bad guys across the Alpha Quadrant. All of those things are there, and for someone that would say that it's crazy, no, it's not, because Mass Effect exists. And if you've seen the Mass Effect games, you pretty much say, yeah, that that's kind of Star Trek. It's kind of Star Trek. There's a lot of Star Trek in Mass Effect. There's some Star Wars too. But there's some Star Trek in there with the Mass Effect games, so it could definitely happen. It could definitely be done. And I feel like this would be 
a great avenue for an extremely underrated actress in Jerry Ryan, who never misses when she performs as Seven of Nine. She raises that role every time she does it. And I think that would be a great place for her because it would allow her to just perform as Seven of Nine without a lot of other kind of periphery things. I've said for a long, long time, despite my feelings on how Seven of Nine was portrayed as a character, what was done with her in Star Trek Voyager, and despite her role in Star Trek Picard being a little bit limited, every time Jerry Ryan has played the role, she lifts it well above the material. And I feel like her starring in a big-budget AAA game, not unlike Norman Reedus in Death Stranding. It, it could work, in my opinion. I feel like there is a Star Trek video game that is waiting to be made, and it should be with Jerry Ryan. I mean, I can't argue with that. I'm not a gamer, but... I can't argue with that. Um, but you'd at least want to check that game out, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I would. Uh, and I mean, you know, if you're going to, especially if you're going to have a Star Trek game like that and you're going to focus it on one particular character, Seven of Nine is honestly the best choice because, okay, I th- don't get offended before I say this. But Seven of Nine was the character that most male nerds freaking dreamed about growing up (laughs) for many, many years. I'll admit she Uh, wasn't my favorite, but you're not wrong. It's the type of... She definitely has a very um, Lara Croft Tomb Raider mystique about her. where she would be perfectly fitted to lead a video game. I believe the word you're looking for is curvy. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with my Tomb Raider. Yeah, yeah. She's definitely got that Laura Croft appeal. I I know what you're saying. Very Laura Croft, very Tifa Lockhart. I get what you mean. And and, and the, the producers of Star Trek Voyager knew what you meant, too. They, they kept putting her in those damn cat suits. Yeah. Um, so, like, even if you have it set as the Fenris Ranger, that she's not wearing a cat suit. I mean, just the character and her name carries that appeal along with it, no matter what she's wearing. So, um, yeah. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Yeah. Star Trek video game. Star Trek video game on consoles on consoles like I would love to see like something a triple a Star Trek title in 4k on on say a PlayStation 5 or the Xbox that that would be that would be really really cool just my opinion Uh, let us know what you think everyone out there if there's some kind of dream Star Trek idea that you want out there because we know Alex Kurtzman's listening Go ahead and let us know. We, we'd love to hear it. And yeah, I'm, I'm all about seeing what ideas we can throw out there. Maybe maybe something new can be made. 
we got movies, we got TV shows. Let's let's roll with it. Star Trek is back. Star Trek is here. It's not going anywhere. So let's let's just let's keep pushing it to to see where it goes. Let's let's push it all the way to the limit to where we start turning into lizards. Let's, let's just go for it, Heather. I let's mean, just go for it. Alex Kurtzman still isn't fired, so he is listening to our podcast. That's right. <laughs> He's got to get his ideas, ideas from somewhere. He's got to get them from somewhere. And we we hope that these are decent enough for you to tune in to the Promenade Merchants podcast, everybody. Thank you all for listening. We are available wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get them. Uh, everybody follow Heather on Twitter at NerdyGal33. Uh, she's great, especially if you like Law & Order SVU. Uh, and she changes her avatar once a month and it's really cool and everyone just follow heather at nerdy gal 33 she's great she's fantastic uh check out the podcast at prom trek pod on twitter i'm usually tweeting something really goofy uh star trek related but usually really goofy uh, Heather should probably take that over before I get us in trouble because because I I do that sometimes I I will kind of wow out every now and then, uh, but yeah follow us on Twitter at Prom Trek Pod it's we're fun we're fun I think, but thank you all for listening Heather anything else you want to tell tell the folks? Uh no. <laughs> I've had a long week. My brain's yeah. kind of fried. David's just lucky I showed up today. <laughs> and and I'm grateful for it every day. I'm truly grateful. Until next time, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Promenade Merchant Star Trek podcast. Walk with the prophets. Live long and prosper. And, I don't know, go watch some Voyagers. See how great Jerry Ryan is. Thanks for listening. <laughs>